Um, let's just bow our heads. Praise the Lord uh, for every person that's here, for the Lord's presence with us, that he would be glorified in our time this morning. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you. and We lift up your name and, and praise your name alone on high, your name that is above every other name, that at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Father, I just pray that over these next 24 hours, as we focus so much and, and on the wonder and the splendor of the gift that is given baby Jesus, that we would understand fully that he was born to die. And he died so that we could live. And Father, I just pray that even with the fun and the festivities and the food and celebrations and presents, Lord, that we would keep you and your gift to us in focus. Father, this morning, as your word is now open before us, as I will have the privilege of reading it, I would ask, Lord, that you would open all of our eyes, that just as you arrived in the darkest of time and you were shining as a bright light, that this morning, that individuals right here who perhaps are ensnared or trapped in darkness, that you, as only, only you can do, uh, reveal yourself in all of your glory and bring brightness and bring light and bring forgiveness and bring hope into lives that are so desperately in need of it. Father, please be with me. Uh, guard my mind and my mouth that everything that is said and done would be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> begin with me, um, if you don't mind. I'm going to begin and read. I don't know if the words probably will not be in front of you. I'm backing up a little bit just to gain the context. Isaiah chapter 9. I want you to get a little bit of a glimpse of the darkness before the gift is given. Isaiah chapter 9, begin with me in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In a former time, he brought into, cont into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. As we begin this morning, I want you to think, you might have to go back a little bit in your own kind of mind, in your history, as far as remembering birthdays and Christmases. Think of the greatest gift, the best present that you ever received. The, The best gift that that was ever given to you that you received. I, I remember on my fifth birthday, I wanted a pony and um, I was the third of four children. I referred to myself as the forgotten child and my parents wanted to make sure that I was not forgotten. And so they did on my fifth birthday, I'd got a cowboy hat and I got a pair of six shooters um, that they actually bought a little pony for me. Um, His name was Fancy, which is wonderful. The problem is, is that we literally lived in the suburbs of Philadelphia. We had houses next to one another. So we had no barn. We had no, we had no um, uh, pasture. We literally just took Fancy and we tied him up to a tree. And that was my horse. That was the present that dad and mom had given to me. Other times thought about a lot of times we have this expectation of this amazing gift. And in all honesty, it never really develops to be as wonderful as we thought it was going to be. Uh, We put a bale of hay in front of Fancy and and he kind of kicked at it for a while. He very quickly broke out from the little rope that tied him to the apple tree in the backyard. He ran all over our neighbor's lawns. He made a mess all over the place. The neighbors called the police and in less than like 48 hours, fancy was taken from me. The, The whole idea is this wonderful, wonderful gift. And yet, you know, it really is not all that it's cracked up to be. I really wanted a pony. My parents even got me a pony. You know, I think that happens with all of us that we have these expectations. Even right now, you're thinking like tomorrow morning, it's going to be there. It's going to be under the tree. I know I saw someone scurrying into the closet with this big box and it's, it's going to be for me. And then when we, at some level, it doesn't always deliver. It doesn't always match the hype that has been given. What, what, what I want us to pause on this morning is to think that that never happens with the gift that God gives to us. The the gift that God gives to us matches the hype. Now we know that, and we review a little bit by way of Isaiah, he is living in a dark time of Jewish history. We don't know a whole lot about Isaiah. We talked about his father's name was Amos. Um, He was persecuted for his faith probably. He prophesied by way of a vision that was given to him directly from God. And for a period of 80 years, he wrote down the words of the Lord as a prophet to the people. There's a central theme that runs all the way through all 66 chapters. And the theme is this, God himself. The theme of Isaiah is God. The focus is to be on God. The theme is God himself and how God does what? All things, all things for his glory. And we know that people have been recipients like you and I, recipients of God's grace. We, we have what? We have mercies new every day. Lavishly, his love is poured on us. And sadly, we wake up and we maneuver our way through a week without even pausing to give thanks. It's the exact same thing that happened with the nation of Israel. They were, they were, they were, they were unthankful. They were not displaying gratitude. 
As a result of that, there had been judgment, and it had been a dark, dark time of judgment. This particular place, these particular people, at this particular moment in history, it's dark. It's as dark as it can be, depressing in every way. Disobedience had reigned, and the result was destruction all around. This particular place had been marked by a history of death and bloodshed and violence. Think about the divided kingdom. This is Judah, the southern area. It had been burned to the ground over and over and over again. Conquering armies en route to Jerusalem would burn it on the way. On the return, they would stop and they would burn and rape and pillage again. It had literally been beaten into the ground. But it was at that moment when it's darkest is what the light shines the brightest. It's at that moment in, in what confusion, like what do we do, where do we go? It's in that moment that wise counsel and comfort is given. In the moment of absolute chaos and conflict comes peace. That was God's promise. He always delivers. He always comes through. Some of you are like, yeah, but my life, like my whole life right now, it's not going according to my plan. And it's dark and it's chaotic and there's confusion and there's conflict. It's in this moment, Christmas Eve 2017, that God, in the darkest moment of your life, can and will shine the brightest. You invite him. Jesus, understand this little baby that is born in a manger is the invincible figure striding across the world stage, taking gracious command, not only of the entire world, but of your own life. If you surrender to him. And we looked last week, first and foremost, that we know this gift in dark moment Okay, this gift of grace is given. We know that he was to be born a child. He was to be given as a son. Specifically what the tag says to us, to us. Earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, we said that there will be a sign given to you that a virgin will conceive. A miraculous birth, unlike anything else ever. God will reveal himself and offer himself to us. When you receive something that you do not deserve, that's what grace is. Now we will see what the revealing, the extent of God's glory of who he is. We saw as well that he will rule over God's people and the world. There's this phrase here that we looked at Just today, the government will be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. Figuratively, it refers in a sense to a kingly robe that oftentimes on the epilepse would would, would reveal uh, the nation that they were ruling over. That there's a kingly robe worn by the Messiah as king. He would be responsible to govern and to reign and to lead and establish rule with all absolute authority. Think about this particular time period. For 80 years, there's been four different kings. Every single one of them has proven incompetent. Incompetent to rule the people. But Jesus, the Messiah will come in and he will bear the full weight of all authorities, all reigning kings and kingdoms on his shoulder. The Messiah will govern the right way. 
We want to park this morning is the fact that number three, he will have four descriptive names that all reveal his character. Four descriptive names that reveal his character. The first one is this, wonderful counselor. It could be, in a sense, translated exceptional counselor or distinguished counselor. Well, what is a counselor? One who offers counsel. We'll be a little bit more specific. One who offers what? Wise direction for us. One who has, um, who has given wise instruction, relevant, practical advice on how to live well. Okay, that's what counsel is. Now, now, have you ever received counsel that perhaps as someone is speaking to you in their, in their kind of little sphere of influence, in their little view, that as soon as you hear it, you're like, yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. You ever received bad counsel? Yeah, you got to go with the 8-track. It is the wave of the future. Remember that time period? We're, we're dating ourselves. Got to go with the 8-track. How long, how long did the 8-track last? What you have to do is invest into Enron. It's a safe bet. Okay? And there's people that, in a sense, who offer counsel, and as soon as you hear, like, you know, I'm not exactly quite sure about this. I heard of a kid one time, no joke. Um, he and his father were standing at the bottom of an escalator. The escalator had broken. They're standing at the bottom of the escalator, and, and the dad said to the young son, he, he said, well, it's voice activated. You have to speak to it. You have to say, go up. The kid at the bottom of the escalator is talking to this thing. Go up, go up. Ten minutes, people just staring at him. Before his dad said, oh, yeah, actually, it's just broke. I just want to see you do that. No joke, I actually heard of this. A teenage girl said I put bacon on a pimple because my grandma said it would go away. It grew. That's just disgusting to even think of that. If you spin around, you get dizzy. An older brother told his younger brother, if you spin the opposite direction, it will cancel it all out. There's, there's counsel that's given, okay? The wise words of mankind that were like, you know what? Just doesn't quite sound right. Do, do you realize this? In a world that is filled, okay, and you don't have to look to, in a world that is filled with just scam after sham and bad counsel and trickery, Realize this, it will never, ever happen with the Messiah. He will never offer counsel that is anything perfect and necessary for you. What? On, on wise counsel on how to live well. And it will include what? It will include words in his counsel that is offered to us like atonement for our sin. They'll include words like repentance. The counsel that we read from God's word, from the Messiah himself to us, will include words like what? Confession and sacrifice and others and love. You see, that's the counsel that, that God offers to us. The Lord Jesus Christ was preaching, we you know, in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to this 
counsel in the introduction to the sermon in Matthew chapter 5, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wise counsel. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Wise counsel. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Wise counsel. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's wise counsel. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's wise counsel. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's wise counsel that our world does not offer. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We see the words of the Messiah, and we so desperately need them. We should be longing for them. Silence some of the garbage that this world is offering. Like, if you're dizzy, just like spin the opposite direction. That's the best the world has. Where we look at what, in the darkest moment, the light shines the brightest. One arrives. Baby born in a manger, the invincible what, one who is striding across the world stage, taking everything under his control. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Another name is what? He will be called Mighty God. What I have found is that we tend, we tend to measure might by this. Well, my dad would beat up your dad. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe like there's no other dad around. My, my dad's just going to dust him in a moment. That's, that's kind of our understanding of might today. Yeah, well, he benched 325. Or what? Yeah, I think, I think Heckman would take Gerald's. I don't know. Some people say Gerald's would take Heckman. I don't know. I wouldn't count Braun out to tell you the truth. In a sense, that's kind of the way that we're measuring might Today, there's something, there's something larger that is lurking behind the scenes here. Some have suggested that this simply means a, a godlike person or a hero. You see, how the nation Israel, they have been kicked. They have been stomped on. They've been walked over. They've been burned to the ground. How they desperately wanted a David-like hero. David was what? Golden age of the nation Israel. He was the man. Okay, dusted enemy after enemy after enemy. And what? After being trampled to the ground, they were looking for someone. Please ride in and free us with muscle and with might. And yet, as we read, as we read earlier, what? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, of them the light hath shone. In a sense, the, the, the mighty God is going to display strength and power and might in a different way than the world has ever known and in a, in, in a, in a greater way than the world has ever known. Isaiah, in a sense, gets a, a glimpse. He understood that the Messiah was to be God. In, in, in some sense, it wasn't completely clear to Isaiah 
And as he reveals, we begin to see his sovereign reign, his sovereign rule. The one who literally, as we talk tonight, who hung, he just, he just hung the sun and the moon in its place. The sovereign God who flung the stars into existence. The sovereign God who placed that one star for what? The magi, the wise men, the three kings to follow. So that it lights literally over that one stable in Bethlehem. That, that's, that's a mighty God that, that Jesus reveals himself in a way that you and I, we can't measure with muscles. It's not going to be a conquering hero the way that, that, that we want it to be. At least not for now when this helpless Babe is born, but he will grow to have full and all authority over everyone and everything. Another name is that he will be everlasting father. Everlasting. We, we tend to measure time with a start and a stop. That's, that's timelines for us. We, we, we measure sunrise, sunsets. We measure our day timers in appointments that last 30 minutes or 60 minutes. Or we block out a week here. And that's our time frame. Not so with God. The deliverer, the Messiah, the one who rescues and comes, is going to be called the everlasting father. Now people are puzzled by this title because the Messiah is what? God's son. Distinguished, distinct, unique from God the Father. How can the Son also be the Father? Several things have to be noted. First and foremost is what? God the Son is still God. That every single character trait, every single attribute still applies to Jesus the Son as applies to God the Father. He has all of the attributes. So when we think of this, what, everlasting, you go all the way back with the description in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, that God is referred to as the ancient of days. It just says David establishes a kingdom, what? Second Samuel talks about the fact that there's going to be everlasting, a foreverness to the kingdom of God. You know, we, we, we again, like, kingdoms rise and kingdoms falls. Kings will come, princes will come, presidents will come, prime ministers, and they reign, and then they end their reign. Not so. This is the everlasting, there is no beginning and there is no end, and he is an everlasting father. Now that term, when you hear the word father, dad, for some it immediately, it immediately brings what thoughts of what? Someone who took care of me and someone who was strong. A father was, is, is to be wise. A father is to be the protector. A, a father is to be what? One who is compassionate and gentle. Although there's, there's strength, no doubt, in, in his hands, he's gentle and he's compassionate. Some of you think of the word father and that's the image. And then others of you sitting here or listening to this message right now, hear the word father and you immediately cringe or shy away. Because your image of a father is totally different. Yeah, I, I knew I knew like like my father was was abusive, my father was drunk, or he was absent, he was silent, he just sat on a couch with a remote and a beer can. So, some people have an image 
of a father that is something that is negative. And so what we have to understand here is that God, as he establishes an everlasting kingdom, he is truly the one who is wise and strong and compassionate. One who loves unconditionally. Dads who have sons or daughters or grandchildren. I think that you would agree that there's been some things that your son or daughter has done that you would have been saddened at their decision, at their choice. That it broke your heart that they did some of the things that they did, that they chose to, 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 to behave, to say, to go, to touch. And yet regardless of the fact that your son or your daughter has done that, you can't stop loving them. You just can't. It's my son, my daughter. That's exactly the relationship that God the Father has. As he displays himself, God, what incarnate becomes flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Just as there's the everlasting father, that's an attribute and a character trait of the